Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is Stand Up For Jesus with your host, Craig Nedrow, founder of Craig Nedrow Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus. Our focus is to reach out to the lost and witness about the transforming power of Jesus Christ and calling on others to stand up for Christ and His Word, proclaiming that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And now, Standing Up For Jesus, here's Craig Nedrow. Welcome to the program. This is Stand Up For Jesus, and my name is Craig Nedrow. On the program today, I want to continue the teaching series, The Power of Prayer. And I I want to take a couple of minutes and kind of review some of the stuff we talked about, which will lead us into this week's teaching. But I mentioned that, you know, because of some of the events that have recently taken place, and in particular this football player that got hurt uh, during the football game, uh, there's been a tremendous outpouring be it temporary, uh, an outpouring of prayer and a discussion about the topic of prayer, the power of prayer, how God moves in prayer. So I thought it just felt like, and I like to do this from time to time anyway, but I felt like it was a, a proper time to go back and do a teaching on prayer. Prayer is an essential part of my life. I can't imagine my life without uh, the opportunity and the privilege to pray to God about just about everything in my life. And I do pray about just about everything in my life. But I think it's important not to, not to just gloss over that and to, to assume that everybody prays and uh, that everybody has what, what, what I would call as an effective prayer life. And so um, it's important that we, that we talk about and we study what the Bible has to say about prayer um, I, I love the fact that there's a heightened awareness of it right now. Like I said, uh, it's temporary. Uh, almost as quickly as it happens, it tends to go away. And so on this this little teaching series I'm doing right now, I want to just stop and, and take some time and see what God has to say about prayer. I want to let the Holy Spirit lead these teachings, and I want to talk about prayer from a personal perspective and how I think it should and can apply in your own lives. So um, a couple of things that I mentioned on the program before. The first one is sometimes I'm taken back by just the simple privilege of prayer. Now stop and think about that comment, about the privilege of prayer. You know, I mentioned this before, but many years ago I wrote a book, and I had one chapter in there specifically on prayer and I mentioned in that chapter that when I was writing that chapter about prayer, I got convicted by the Holy Spirit, and it's as if um, the Lord was saying to me, Craig, your your prayer life is an embarrassment to me. If you really had any idea who it is you're praying to and the power of who it is you're praying to, it would radically change your prayer life, which would radically change your life. And I was convicted by it because 
um, like so many other people, my prayer life in in times past and even sometimes now is very shallow. It's uh, not as frequent as it should be. It's not uh, to the depth that it should be. Uh, we tend to, to 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 not really grasp and wrap our mind around the privilege that we have that we can go right into the throne room to the altar of God, the creator of everything, and have that we have access as his children. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, you have access to God the Father. And think about it if you're a parent or a grandparent. Do you want your children to communicate with you? Do you want your children to come to you and fellowship with you and spend time with you and just be in your presence? Well, the simple answer is, of course you do. Well, God's our Heavenly Father, and He loves us more than we can love our kids or grandkids. Would He not want the same thing from us? And so when we stop and just get quiet and humble ourselves and look at the topic of prayer, it is such a privilege. And even when I go back and do teachings on it again and again, like I'm doing right now, it humbles me, and I'm taken back about the privilege that I have as one of God's kids that I can go to him about anything and everything and that he cares about me. The Bible says, cast all your cares onto him for he cares for you. He would say, bring to me your cares, bring to me your concerns. And, I, you know, when we when we dig deeper into the subject of prayer, which we, we're going to continue to do on the program today, I've made this comment before, but I think it's worthy of commenting again. Uh, first of all, I want you to know, um, along the topic of prayer, God wants us to come to him and be real. He's not looking for real lofty, eloquent prayers. I think if we could really feel the presence of God and, and, and communicate with him directly, and we wanted to come to him with some big, eloquent prayers, I think he would almost sometimes say, just just stop what you're doing. I'm God, okay? I, I'm not looking for a bunch of pretense. I'm not I'm not looking for a speech. I'm not looking for uh, eloquent uh, words from you. What I'm looking for is uh, what is your heart? What what What's really in your heart and in your spirit and on your mind? And God wants us to come to him with thanksgiving in times of great joy and blessings and thanksgiving. He wants us to do that. But he also wants us to come to him when, in times when we're struggling, in times when we're confused and we need direction. Uh, I, I believe that God also wants us to come to him in times when we're upset and we're confused and we're angry and we're hurt and we're bitter. God's got broad shoulders. You know, you, you, can, you can say anything to God, and, he's, and I promise you if he could respond back right then, he's, I don't believe he would say, well, that shocks me that you just told me that. He already knows it all. He wants us to come to him as an all-knowing, all-loving, heavenly father. And stop and think about the power of prayer. Now, let me ask you just kind of a dumb question. It's a it's a theoretical question, but let me just ask you, is there anything that we could ask God to do that God could say, no, that's too hard for me. I can't, I, you know, I I can do this, but I, I just, that's above my possibility of the power that I have is to be able to do that. Short of asking God to lie, 
There is no boundary. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. But it also says, has God not said and can he not do? The Bible says, is there anything too, God says in Jeremiah chapter 32, I am the Lord God. Is there anything too hard for me? So when we stop and think about the privilege of prayer, and then when we really stop and meditate on the power of prayer, if we think about who it is we're going to and the power that he has, and then, as I mentioned, I think sometimes, uh, and when I was writing this chapter in my book about my own prayer life, that I got convicted because God, I felt like the my, my, my prayer life was an embarrassment because we pray about the most minute, simple, um, shallow things. And I think sometimes God is on his throne, and if he could speak to us as a group of people, he would say, I am looking for somebody to get serious about prayer. I'm waiting on somebody or some group of people to pray about this subject and this subject and to bring these issues to me. I'm waiting to move in these areas, but I'm I'm waiting until I hear somebody ask and petition me in prayer so I can move. I'm telling you, folks, the privilege of prayer is awesome. The power of prayer is beyond our capability of understanding. And who it is that we pray to, if, if, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, then we have access and we have privilege in praying to God the Father, the Almighty, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who can do anything. He made it all. He controls it all. He can do what he wants with it all. And he, if, we, if Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, I have access to God the Father in prayer. What an amazing thought. So let me kind of jump back into and just give you a little review where I started last week. And I'm going to run over a few verses real quick, touch on them real quick, and then I'm going to, I'm going to continue uh, in, in part two today and continue to look at some different scriptures. And the, one of the first scriptures I looked at last week, if you have your Bibles, open up to Philippians chapter 4. And in Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to go through these verses kind of quickly, but in Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to start reading in uh, verse 6. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, be anxious for nothing. In other words, why do you worry about everything? Paul's saying, don't, you don't have to be anxious about anything. And let me tell you, I'll just confess, there are times when I'm anxious about things. I worry. And sometimes when, when we worry and we get anxious, you know what that truly, if you want to get down to the, you know, the, the real bottom line of it, um, when we worry and when we fret and when we're anxious, it almost shows that we don't trust God. Because Paul says here, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And a couple of things I want to touch on real quickly about that verse that I mentioned last week. First of all, first of all, Paul says, in everything. In other words, we can pray to God about everything. And and I had a I talked to a caller this past week who listened to the program. He said, Look, um, I'd like to, 
have a conversation with you about about the fact that I, and, and I would never mention anybody by name. I hope he's listening because I want him to be encouraged. But he made a comment to me. He said, I don't know how to pray. And I think that breaks God's heart, grieves his heart when he, God hears that from one of his children. And I will say to you, I want to repeat, don't go to God with thinking that you have to have perfect speech or eloquency. You know what he wants? He just wants to, he wants to know what you're, what's on your mind, what's on your heart. Talk to him like you would talk to me. Talk to God like I'm, like I'm talking right now. He wants real, authentic, open, um, honest prayers. He wants to hear what's really on your mind. And the devil has done such a job to make it think that, well, God's not really interested in just hearing in a conversational manner what's going on with you. I'm telling you, that's absolutely what God wants to hear. So Paul says here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. That word supplication means intensified uh, uh, begging. And I gave a word picture on the program last week <clears throat> of the fact that if my grandson asked for a bicycle in July, that he wants a bicycle for Christmas, and then he never mentions it again the rest of the year, he may get a bicycle for Christmas. But if that kid comes to me every time he sees me and he shows me pictures of the bike he wants and he says, I want a green bike, Poppy, and he says, I found one on the Internet and this is the size I want and this is the brand I want. And every time I see him between June and the end of and Christmas, he mentions, remember, I want a bicycle. Please give me that bicycle. Do you think there's any better chance that kid's getting a bike at Christmas than if he just mentions it one time seven months before Christmas? And that's a good picture for supplications. Supplication means to beg, to petition, to ask earnestly. So there's prayer, and then there's supplications. And if you do a Bible study or Google prayer and supplication, almost throughout the entire Bible, prayer and supplication are linked together. There is prayer, and then there is supplications. And our greatest example is always Jesus. And the Bible says that in the garden, that night before he was arrested, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications. So if Jesus did it, it's probably a good idea that we would become familiar with it and we would use it in our prayer life. So Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So we want to be thankful in our prayer life. And we should be thankful in our prayer life. Paul says, let your requests be made known to God. You know what that means? Tell God what's on your heart. Tell God what's on your mind. Make your request known to him. Now, he's not a genie in a lamp. So don't get, you know, in our prayer life, you know, sometimes we just want to come and just give him a laundry list. We want to give him a Christmas list of everything that we want him to do and everything we want him to give us. And he wants to hear those things, but he also wants us to just come and love with him. Come just say, Father, I just want to be in your presence. I just want to crawl up in your... So I've said this in my prayer life before. Lord, I'd just like to be able to crawl up in your lap and feel your presence. Can I just spend some time with you, Father? Now this, And I've done this, and this is kind of... It almost sounds peculiar, but in your prayer life, have you ever stopped and said, God, how's your day going? Father, how are you right now? Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Father. See, those are all aspects of prayer. But here, Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Our access to the Father is always through Christ Jesus. I'm going to take my first break and come back. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up For Jesus. We return to Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Nedro on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up For Jesus. I'm Craig Nedro. This is part two of my teaching series on the power of prayer. And uh, before the break, I was just doing a little bit of a refresher and from Philippians chapter 4, where I was teaching from last week. I also want to mention that I also taught from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, also uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this particular letter. And Paul says in verse uh, 16, he says, Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. And I mentioned last week on the program, it's, you know, no, obviously none of us can walk around 24-7 all the time praying. But what we can be and what we can do is be in a prayerful mindset. In other words, um, and, I, and I think it's an easy, um, I hate to use the word habit, but it's, an, it's part of a lifestyle. And it's a lifestyle of during the day, at any particular time, hey Lord, thank you for, the, for thank you for this hot meal I've got. Lord, help me on this phone call I'm getting ready to make. Lord, give me wisdom in the situation I'm in right now. Uh, Lord, g- please give me some discernment for the the meeting I'm walking into right now. Uh, there's nothing that we can't pray to God about, and there's nothing that we shouldn't be able to pray to God about. And so when we stay in that mindset, and and, and it doesn't have to be a 15 minute prayer. It can be a 15 second prayer. It can be a simple, Lord, I love you. Thank you for being with me today. Just wanted to say, I love you, Father. Thank you in Jesus' name for everything you do. It can be so simple. That's that's staying. That's pray with, praying without ceasing. We stay in a mindful, in a prayerful mind. And Paul said, in everything, give thanks. Well, that's kind of piggybacking on what I just said. We can give thanks to God for trials and tribulations, knowing that He's working in us. We can give thanks for God during times of suffering, know that knowing that uh, Jesus suffered. And so when we suffer, whether it be physically or emotionally or spiritually or with different things in our life, you know what? Jesus suffered too, and he knows what we're going through. And so we can give thanks even in that. <clears throat> and it says, Paul says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. That means God, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be thankful about everything. And Paul says, uh, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There's again, in Christ Jesus. Folks, everything has to be done through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That includes in prayer. So that's First Thessalonians chapter 5. And then also, I, I finished up last week in, in the book of Mark. Amazing, uh, amazing few verses in Mark chapter 11. Starting in verse 22, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. God, it, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, I'll, I'm going to flip over there and read real quickly. I'm not going to stop on this verse, but you need to hear this verse because it's important about faith. Faith is so important in our prayer life. And it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the writer of Hebrews says in verse 6, <clears throat> without faith, it's impossible to please him. Speaking of God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
So not only does it please God, and not only does he want us to have faith in God, and not only does Jesus say have faith in God, but the writer of Hebrews tells us without faith it's impossible to please God. God says, look, come to me in faith, and that pleases me, and I want you to have faith in me. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, have faith in God. And he continues, and he says, for assuredly I say to you. When Jesus said for assuredly, when he says that, you know what the translation of that is? You don't have to guess on this. This doesn't mean sometimes. Jesus is saying, assuredly. In other words, you can, you can lay your head on the pillow on this and know it's true. Jesus said, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, I, I, you can say, Craig, are you going to stand in front of a mountain and tell me that I'm going to, that you're going to speak to to a mountain in Colorado and throw it into the ocean? See, <clears throat> sometimes there are metaphors. And when I, in my life, I'll just translate this particular verse into my life. Sometimes there are obstacles in front of me. That sometimes there it feels like there are mountains of obstacles in front of me in different areas. And I think Jesus is saying to us, speak to that obstacle. What is it that is hindering you? Speak to it. And and he says, speak to the mountain and, and, and say, be removed and cast into the sea. I'm just going to tell you I've done this in my life, in business, in personal matters, in other areas of my life when I'm struggling. I did it with my uh, drug addiction many, many years ago. I said, I'm speaking directly to you because drug addiction is a demonic spirit. And I spoke to that spirit, and I said, in Jesus' name, I'm telling you, be cast and be removed out of my life. I am no longer going to be addicted to drugs. I am not a drug addict. I am a child of God, and I have been filled with the Holy Spirit, redeemed, and I've been healed from my drug addiction. And uh, and I know there's different—people say, oh, you can't—nobody can just go cold turkey. I went cold turkey, and I'm 23 years in, uh, clean and sober from any drugs. And so, but it's not by my power, it's by his power. But I, this is an example where I used that in that particular instance to speak to that mountain. And Jesus said, therefore, I say to you in verse 24 of of Mark chapter 11, whatever uh, he says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That's an amazing statement by Jesus. He says, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, there is one condition, and he says it in the next verse. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone. In other words, you better come to Jesus with a clean slate. Because if you're harboring bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, if you're mad at people, he says, look, when you come, if you have anything against anyone else, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. And he says, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. He's saying, look, if I'm going to forgive you and my Father's going to forgive you for your past and what things you've done to hurt people, then you've got to turn around and forgive others. And then when you do that, come to me in prayer, believe the things that you ask will be done and they will be done if you pray them in my name. I'm going to take my next break, come back, and then I'm going to jump into the new verses I want to teach on in this, this week on the program 
My name is Craig Nedrow, and this is Stand Up For Jesus. More of Craig Nedrow and Stand Up For Jesus on Christian Talk Radio. The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up For Jesus. I'm Craig Nedrow. I'm teaching on the subject of prayer, specifically the privilege of prayer and the power of prayer with circumstances that are going on in our world today. I think it's really important uh, for people to have a deeper understanding, a deeper appreciation, a deeper relationship or whatever you want to call it, uh, a a, a deeper intimacy in their prayer life. And I encourage everybody from from, uh, somebody who has been uh, from a little old lady that's been walking with the Lord 70 years and spends time every day in her prayer closet to somebody who says, I've never prayed or I don't know how to pray. This is a time when we all need to reach out to God, to pursue God uh, through Jesus in our prayer life. And it's I just can't overemphasize how important it is. So the next uh, scripture I want to go to is in the book of James. So James, if you if you find uh, Hebrews, hang a right, go to James, and go to James, and I'm go to chapter five, and I'm going to read a few verses because this is kind of a <clears throat> touches on a couple of different subjects about prayer. But in James chapter five, I'm going to begin reading in verse thirteen, and James says, "Is anyone among you suffering?" Well, there's times when each one of us suffers. So he, God is saying here, I want you to I want you to ask me and thank me for things and let me know when things are going well. But James says, is anyone among you suffering? And the answer would be, we all suffer sometimes. And he says, let him pray. Well, that's a simple formula, isn't it? So let me ask you, are you out there and you're suffering? James says, let him pray. He says, is anyone, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now let me make a comment about something here, because I know we've all had times when we've prayed for somebody, or most of us have had times in our life where we've prayed for somebody to be healed, and they weren't healed. They might have died. Now, it's above our pay grade to understand some of these things. We can't understand. God, God's ways are, are higher than our ways. And we can't understand all of God's ways. There will be a time when it'll make perfect sense to us. If we're a believer in Christ, when we get home to heaven, things will be crystal clear to us. But I know, and I'm just going to speak about me personally, um, I can tell you that um, when my mom got sick, I prayed for my mom to be healed. She wasn't healed this side of heaven. But I know when my mom died, she because I had the privilege of leading my mother to the Lord, and so I knew my mom was saved. And when my mom died, immediately the, the Apostle Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So my mom got healed. She just didn't get healed on this side of heaven. She got healed on the other side. And if we really want to be transparent and honest about it, what a blessing. I mean, I don't mean this in a, orb, in, in a morbid way, but if you gave me the, gave me the, the choice of, Craig, you're going to come down with a terminal cancer and you're going to suffer for 19 months or 
um, you're going to come down with terminal cancer and you're going to be gone in 22 days. Which would you prefer? I'll take the 22 days because, first of all, I know in whom I believe. His name is Jesus. I know where I'm going. And to be absent from my body is to be present with the Lord. And you know what? I'm good to go today with that, folks. So um, what a what a privilege and understanding that, look, when we pray for healing for somebody, if it doesn't happen, if they know Jesus and we know where they're going, it, they, if they don't get healed on this side of heaven and they do pass away, they've got become, a, they're immediately healed on the other side. What a wonderful thought. What a comforting thought. Paul says in verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another mm. and pray for one another. See, we all need somebody that we can sit down with and say, hey, I, can, I, can I confess some things to you? It needs to be in confidentiality. For many of us, it's our spouses. But in many of us, it may be a pastor. It may be another brother or sister in Christ. But we all need to have somebody or uh, some people in our circle that we can con- confess things to. I'm struggling in this area. I'm struggling in this area. I made a mistake here. I did this. Can you pray for me about this? And it says, and pray for one another. And I want to make one quick comment about that. When somebody says to me, Craig, can you pray for me about something? And we've all had this happen where somebody will go, hey, I need you to pray about something for me. Can you pray about this for me? And we go, sure, I'll pray about that. And we and then we walk off or we get off the phone or whatever. And, and, and I've done it. Maybe you've never done it, but I'm confessing I've done it. I've told people I would pray for them before, and I forgot about it. And so I got convicted that by that. And so now when somebody says to me, Craig, can you pray for me about this? I either, if the, if the situation is appropriate, I need to stop right then, right there, and say, let's pray about it right now. Or if I say, yeah, when I get off the phone, or uh, yeah, it's, I'm gonna, yes, I'm going to pray for you about this. I need to, be, to, to try to do everything in my capability to make sure if I tell somebody I'm going to pray for them about something, that I pray for them about that because it's important. It was important enough for them to say, can you pray for me about this? And if it's that important, maybe God is calling you into that, um, into that role, that intercessory role to pray on that person's behalf. It's a, it's an honor. It's a privilege, but it's, there's also a responsibility there. If someone says to you, will you pray for me about this? If you can stop right then and say, let's pray now, you should do that. If you can't, say, yes, I will pray for you. Or or if if you can't, for some reason, say, I can't do that. I'm sorry, but I'm not able to do that right now. But if you can and you say, yes, I will pray for you, and you can't do it right then, try to remember to pray for them once once you are in a place. Once you do have the time to be able to pray for them, if you've told them you will pray for them, don't you think you should? Just a little sidebar there. So uh, Paul says, pray for one another that you may be healed. See, I need people to pray for me when I need healing. I want to pray for other people when they need healing. And then this is such an amazing statement that Paul says. He says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, let me tell you something. Aside from Jesus Christ, none of us is righteous. You can't tell me, Craig, I, I don't need Jesus. I'm righteous in my own, uh, apart from Christ. I'm righteous in my own self. No, you're not. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But in Christ, I am righteous in Christ. 
And it says, I love this. And I prayed in my prayer life before I've said, Lord, I want to have an effective, fervent prayer life. Will you bless my prayer life? It may sound like an odd prayer to you, but I'm asking God to bless my prayer life. I want to have an effective, fervent prayer life. Can you imagine if you knew that you had an effective prayer life, that you knew that when you prayed, things change? That when you pray to God the Father in Jesus' name, situations change, people are all, uh, uh, situations are altered, people are healed. What an amazing thought. And yet Paul says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then he gives us an, an example of one. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, Elijah was no different than you and I. His, he had a nature like ours, and he says, and he prayed earnestly, that's supplications, that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and he- the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. That's an amazing, uh, that, that's a, I love that example. Uh, the, uh, James says, look, do you remember Elijah? Elijah was a man just like you and I. And he prayed that it would not rain, and he believed it, and it did not rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did rain. I love that story. That encourages me in my prayer life. I'm going to take my last break, come back. We're going to continue to look at some new verses. I'm talking about the power of prayer, the privilege of prayer. This is part two in this teaching series. My name is Craig Nedrow, and this is Stand Up for Jesus. Back to Stand Up for Jesus with Craig Nedrow. On Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up for Jesus. I'm Craig Nedrow. I'm teaching on the privilege of prayer, the power of prayer. Uh, We just looked at a couple of verses in in the book of James. And now, if you're still in James, continue to move to the right. I want you to go to 1 John. Um, John wrote, besides the the, uh, uh, epistle of um, the Gospel of John, he also wrote 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. So go to the right of James and go to 1 John. And go to chapter 5 of 1 John. And I love this, what John has to say here about prayer. And here's what he says in verse 14. John says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, being meaning this is the confidence we have in God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So, this is an important aspect of prayer that a lot of people don't realize. Some people will say, well, I prayed about something and, I, and it didn't happen, or I, I prayed to get something and I didn't get it. It's got to be according to his will. In other words, let me give you a word picture again. Let's say one of my kids or grandkids asked me for something that I have the capability of doing for him or giving, giving to him, but I know it's going to be harmful. It's not going to be for their benefit. It would be responsible for me to give it to them if I know it's going to cause them pain just because they asked for it. Well, think about God. God always knows what's best for us. He always we, he, he wants us to pray according to his will. If I ask God to, to do something for me that's not going to be um, good for me in, my, in the long term, or if I ask him for something that is not going to benefit me or not going to be, uh, uh, benefit my walk with the Lord— or be beneficial in the kingdom of God in some way, he's either going to say no or not yet, or, I mean, there's three answers to prayer. No, yes, and not yet. Okay? We have to understand 
that sometimes no is still an answered prayer. But here, for, uh, John says in 1 John chapter 5, this is the confidence that we can have of God, in God, that, it, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And then he says in verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. In other words, John's saying here, if you ask something according to his will, you can be assured that he hears us. And if you ask him according to his will, my Bible says that we can believe that we will have what we ask for. Again, we have to trust God that we don't understand everything the way God does. So you might say, well, God, I know it's your will to heal my mother from cancer. Okay? But you don't know if it's God's will to heal her here or on the other side of heaven. We don't know what God... God sees the, sees the uh, end from the beginning, and he sees the beginning from the end. He knows it all. And, and again, in, in Isaiah chapter 55, God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are my ways your your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's Isaiah chapter 55. And God would say, you'll understand one day when you get to heaven if you've trusted in Christ. But believe me, son, believe me, daughter, I know what I'm doing. So when we pray anything according to his will, we have to trust that he hears us and that he will answer that prayer according to his will. So that's in 1 John chapter 5. Now, let's continue. I want to go uh, at this point. um, Let's stop and look at some, because Jesus is always our greatest example. And I I love, and I've done a a couple of studies just on this particular part of prayer, and I want to get into it and touch on it. I'm not going to get through all these different verses and the rest of this subject this week, so we will continue it again next week. But flip back over to the book of Matthew. And we're going to look at several verses in the Gospels. And these are going to be examples of Jesus praying. And I want to talk about some of the things about Jesus' prayer life. Jesus is always my greatest example. He's always all of our greatest example in anything. And so when we have a situation or we have a, a, um, uh, a subject in our life, if, it's, if Jesus has something to say about that or the Bible has something to say about that instance in Jesus' life, that's always our best example. So go to Matthew and go to verse, I mean, go to chapter 14 in Matthew. So I'm turning over to Matthew chapter 14, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 23. Now, let me set this up a little bit. Um, Right before this particular verse, uh, the scene was that Jesus had... um, uh, fed the five thousand with uh, with the baskets of food, the baskets of fish and bread. It says in verse twenty. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about five thousand men, besides besides women and children. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. So imagine the scene. It's on a hillside. Uh, people were hungry, and Jesus performs a miracle. Uh, praise to the Father, and they they have, uh, what is it that they have? Um, the hour is late, it says, uh, we have only five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, bring them here to me. That's in verse 17 and 18. So from five loaves and two fish, Jesus feeds 5,000 men plus the women and children. What a miracle. And there were 12 baskets of fragments left over. 
So this has been the scene. So then Jesus sends the multitudes away, tells his disciples, get on the boat, go ahead and head over the sea, and I'll see you in a little bit. And in verse verse 23 of Matthew chapter 14, it says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was there alone. You know, when there's several verses in the Gospels where you're going to see where something like this is mentioned, where Jesus went, goes into the wilderness, goes up on the mountain, spends all, time all night long in prayer. When you see those verses, don't skip over those. I would like to encourage you to stop right there. I've spent a lot of hours meditating on this verse and verses just like this in the Gospels. Let me just speak about it for a minute. It says, when he had sent the multitudes away. In other words, Jesus wanted to be by himself with the Father. And I can tell you in the world that I live in, the world that you and I live in, it's so chaotic. It is so busy. That's the work of the devil. He wants us to keep stay so busy. He wants us to keep be so distracted. So, he wants the world to be so chaotic. But Jesus would say to us, you need to have some time alone. You need to find some time. It might be in your car. It might be in your bedroom. It might be out in your backyard. It might be in the woods where you take a walk. But you need to find time. And it says, Jesus went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And I can tell you that it's great to pray with other people. It's great to have to pray in church. But let me tell you something. Nothing replaces my time by myself where I get quiet and I get still and I spend time in prayer by myself in fellowship with God the Father. And this is our best example. It says Jesus went up on a mountain by himself, and he was intentional. He didn't go up there to look at the birds. He went up there to do something, and it says he went up there to pray. Wow. Do you think if Jesus going off by himself to pray— if if Jesus did that, do you think it might be a good idea for us to do it? I'm blown away by this verse. This program is part two on the subject of the privilege of prayer and the power of prayer. We're going to continue this teaching next week. I appreciate you tuning in. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up For Jesus. You've been listening to Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Nedro founder of Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus. If you would like more information about Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus, visit our website at craignedroministries.org or give us a call at area code 469-688-7615. Be sure to listen next week at this same time as we Stand Up For Jesus on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM.